think I hit record on the button, wow. Abe. I, I, too, hit the button. Oh, now I'm talking too loud. Checking those oh. levels, baby. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm in the garage. I'm not in the car, so my levels might vary a little bit. See, that's Oops. weird. I'm in the car, but not in the garage. I'm usually in the garage in the car, but I'm not in the car. I'm just in the garage because I'm staring at my projects. So, um, so I am finishing the last bit of a, uh, a lengthy drive from Plover, Wisconsin. How long is that? Seven hours? No, no. Google Maps says six, and I do yeah. my best to try and beat that. Oh, okay. That's not, that's not as bad as I thought, because I thought, I thought it was like five, five and a half from here. But. I mean, yeah. So you got <laughs> some things things propped on the car for your, uh, for your future <laughs> January track journey, huh? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, we, uh, I bought and, some. And for, and for people's reference, what kind of car are we talking about here? It's the uh, the 2008 Mugen Civic Si. Mugen. Mugen, um, which is Japanese for overpriced. Yeah, <laughs> Japanese for blue and extra value, <laughs> without any uh, value. Correct. Um, you got that cool wing and those nice wheels. I, I mean, the wheels are cool, but like, I mean, who wants a seven and a half wide wheel? Uh, I'm pretty partial to tiny Japanese six and a half inch wide wheels from the '80s. So. You're dumb. Well, function doesn't have to always take take precedent over form. Uh, I guess. So uh, I uh, had planned to go to Andy's today and make a day trip. Uh, but yesterday we didn't really have anything going on at the house. And Ashley seemed like she had the, the baby life under control. Yeah. So I left yesterday. And uh, just just to kind of give us some extra time in case something didn't go right or whatever. Right. Um, but on the way up, uh, I, I made great time all the way through Chicago, uh, north of Milwaukee. And then uh, I think it's U.S. 10 to go towards Stevens Point. It was like the, the weather turned and it just kind of like at the snap of a finger. Uh, the roads weren't snowy, but they were icy. Okay. They were as icy as I've ever been on a road. Really? Um, yeah. Like, touch the brake pedal, ABS. And <laughs> there were there were cars and trucks going past me. I mean, like, I was in the slow lane just kind of following the speed of traffic. There were cars yeah. in the fast lane easily doing 65 or 70, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I don't know that they know that it's this icy. They might not know, but uh, if you didn't have to pass them up again, maybe they figured it out uh, successfully. My uh, uh, Moss sent me a text message and was like, "Hey, just so you know, the roads are or the roads are icy up by point." So I kind of was expecting, um, but he had said he had seen a lot of cars turn the other direction um, mm -hmm. on his way up. He uh, he beat me there by a few hours, I think. Yeah, he comes but, from the south too, didn't he? Correct. He's Milwaukee suburbs area. Yeah, he's pretty close to the border. But um, he was up there all... He is up there all week uh, working on the DCT swap for Super K. Right. Um, I got a chance to see Super K kind of do its thing and um, rip gears on the dyno Dude. with the new DCT, and it makes that awesome fuel cut, like timing cut fart noise when, yeah. when you do the gear shifts, and um, it was awesome. Dude, the videos are insane. Yeah, it's uh, it's really fast. 
he's been sending us us some videos and yeah it sounds like a freaking sounds like a pdk gt3 <laughs> yeah really cool <laughs> really um, really cool yeah really really interesting do, do you know if that car has like a full auto mode or is it just paddle shift uh, I think the plan is for it to have auto mode. Okay. Um, I know that he's been uh, engaged with the, obviously us as Gridlife, but also been talking with uh, GTA. Mm-hmm. And the more he talks with them, the more uh, restrictions and rules seem to show up in the rule book. Oh. Um, so right now his car is uh, unlimited class. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. So... I think he wants to run at Button Willow, and I expect that he'll run at Superlap if this year is is good to him. Right. Uh, but I think he he he's kind of using Amir as the benchmark, even though the cars the cars are obviously prepped similarly, but they sit right. in different right. classes because Amir's car is prepped for street class in GTA, uh, but would not be street mod in Grid Life, and I guess the opposite is true for Moss's car. Right. So. Yeah, it's it's. It does seem like there's uh, there's just different rules philosophies um, between Grid Life and GTA, which is fine. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, ever, ever like when the North American Time Attack Association was like announced, everybody's like, "You call you guys are gonna have the same rules?" And and like, no, <laughs> no. If we were the same rules, we'd be the same organization. You'd think, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. A lot of different, a lot of different thought processes, and yeah, a lot of people like theirs, a lot of people like ours, and some people like them both. So, right. Um, I don't know. We, uh, from here on out, from like the last two years, I mean, especially the last two or three years since you and I have basically done all the rules work, I, I feel like we've tried to make everything data based. So if the data shows that a DCT swap in a in a light, slightly lighter weight car is a is crazy advantage and dominant. Well, maybe things will have to change, but like I don't have any data on that, and that's been a rule for two years. So. Right. On yeah. top of that, um, I feel like I've said multiple times that I completely believe that new cars are inherently faster. Oh right? yeah. Like yeah. Jackie's car is insane, and I think he's he's scratching the surface. Yeah, and, and there, he's also scratching the surface of weight reduction. He's scratching the surface of power potential. Same thing with, like, a DCT turbo BMW. Like, right. power potential on those in street mud could be 1,000 horsepower. Correct. And it, would, and it would shift, like, a PDK, like, full race IMSA Porsche. You know? Well, speaking of that, like, a 911 turbo would right. be an right. excellent choice for street mud. And, and yeah. because all of those things are true... It makes sense to me to allow a more modern transmission from an OEM car into older chassis. It, well, yeah, especially if that transmission. I mean, our theory is like, yeah, you can make a BMW pretty light and make a crazy amount of power, and that's legal right now in street mod. Why wouldn't it be legal to swap into 240s and S2000s and whatever yeah. and older BMWs? And um, Yeah, there's some chassis that don't have that option, but... Uh, I don't know. It seems like it's not not a, not been an easy option for Moss and Andy. So well, I mean, yeah, I necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like right. Uh, Andy will say that he's not the first person on the world to do this swap into an S two, but it's probably less than five. And yeah, there's not uh, a lot, uh, and it doesn't seem easy. But um, hopefully, when they're all done, they won't be blowing up transmissions all over my racetrack. So that'd be cool. <laughs> Or differentials or, you know, all that stuff right. and um, blown axles and whatever. 
I'm looking but, forward to seeing that car in person. So yesterday, it's it's a wild car. It really is. Um, but yesterday, I I showed up early. I got to their shop around three o'clock. Um, took me a little while to get there in that last bit, but. Uh, Andy's philosophy really is to try and let the cars sit inside the shop for uh, a decent amount of time so that everything thaws out, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I hate. I always, I always hated working on snowy, wet cars when they're dripping in your face. It's the worst. Yeah. So uh, we, we just let it dry overnight. We got an early start this morning. We started about 7.30. And Andy did the clutch job on the Civic in less than two hours. And what that was What did you like, put in, by the way? Uh, just like an Exeti OEM replacement. Okay. Um, I, I thought it was sufficient for what I was going to do. Um, yeah. But now that I'm driving on it, I just based on feel, I don't think that the pre- the previous clutch was original. Um, it was worn. It wasn't worn completely out, but I don't think that it was original. Okay. Um, only because this new one is much, much lighter. Really? Um, yeah. Like... Like it feels like a typical like OEM Honda pedal, which is like, I mean, it's it's there, but there's not much force needed to to depress it to the floor. Okay. Did you inspect the old one? Was it a different color or anything? Or um, I mean, he looked at it. He thought it could be factory, but I mean, for for being at 130,000 miles, it didn't look that bad. I mean, it wasn't well, like a lot of like clutch wear also depends on how the car was driven, and if the car was driven highway, yeah, you ain't gonna have any clutch wear. But uh, so we did clutch in the morning and it took him two hours, which is probably longer than typical because I have all of the like OEM intake and all the trim pieces. And it's in, yeah. in, the, in the engine compartment. It's an OEM engine compartment, which means ever- that like it takes a little bit longer just because yeah. more parts have to go back. Yeah. Did, but, they, did, he, did he drop the, the engine too or no? Um, he dropped the subframe right away. That took about 30 minutes. Right. Um, and then, and then the rest was kind of just easy. Like, okay. he, he, did he leave the motor in the car? He did. Yeah. Okay. We talked about dropping it, but everything seemed to come out easy. So. Okay. Yeah, um, I, d- I did one clutch on one of those like fourteen years ago when it was like almost new, um, and we we ended up just dropping the whole motor and trans at the time, uh, and we had it out in about an hour, which which it came out pretty fast. But man, in and out in two hours is pretty quick. <laughs> Uh, from there, uh, he, I told him that I, I expected that the valve lash had never been adjusted yep. um, because I had bought it after that service interval. So I, I said it, I thought it would be a good idea to check it. Um, he did a valve adjustment, and the exhaust valves especially were all too tight. Yep. Um, he said, like, extremely tight. So those are readjusted now. Um, we bled the brakes. We uh, fit the track tires and wheels mm-hmm. and uh, align the car, put everything back together and uh, then went and had lunch. And now that's I'm driving so, home. That's so much before noon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope you bought him lunch. That's really fast. Actually, Micaiah bought lunch. Oh, uh, he was there too? Yeah. And okay. so it was just like, it was like a whole thing. Cool. Um, but they're, uh, they're working on the Audi and Super K today. The Audi meaning Micaiah's one lap of America winner. Yep, yep. So right now the car is having a um, kind of a strange issue, which mm-hmm. it's a the all-wheel drive system in that car is Haldex, which means that uh, predominantly it's front-wheel drive, but like right. through some hydraulics and clutches and whatever, uh, it can send power to the rear wheels. Right. And 
when it's working well, it's, it's amazing actually. Um, but when it's working intermittently, um, it's, it's one incredibly unpredictable and two drives worse than front wheel drive cars. And, really? uh, so like, uh, when, when Moss and I were, were driving it at Gingerman, Moss entered turn one and got back on power and the rear end like didn't bite at all. And he just like steered off onto the outside of the grass because there just wasn't anything coming from the rear end at all. <laughs> Not good. Um, so they're trying to figure out if it is an electronics issue or if it's like a mechanical or hydraulic issue. That was right. what they were working on today. And, you know, everybody's trying to get stuff set for Barber, which is in like two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was kind of like final push to make sure that that is probably the, the key test day for all the one lappers, I guess. Right. Um, to give them plenty of time to fix something if necessary. Yeah, if, if they got the cars 95% of the way there and they can shake down everything for a couple of days. So. Yep. So um, as yep. far as I know, the, the DCT is going to be fully finished and, and ready to, to run at Barber. And I hope the, the Audi is running well, too. That's freaking crazy. But um, my car, we put some camber bolts in. Um, and the, the wheel fitment that I have... Andy said probably couldn't be more perfect. There's only like, uh, I think like an eighth to a quarter of an inch between the tire and the, the body of the strut. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very tight. But he said that the camber bolt wouldn't allow any more clearance because the, the, uh, the hub itself or the, um, um, the knuckle yeah. is like touching the strut body. So he said, I, I definitely need more camber, uh, but... I wasn't right. going to get any more without installing camber plates, which I don't have. Or, or without doing, like, crazy grinding or... Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, was the tire close to the spring or, like, the body of the, the strut? Uh, the body. The uh, coilovers... Uh, a lot of times, coilover springs are a lot smaller than OEM, but I can't... I don't, I've never been under one of those cars from OEM, so... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but if if you don't need to rely so much on a camber bolt and you can kind of adjust that better, you can get right. the camber you need from the camber plate up top. So. Yeah, with a camber bolt, you're literally just like bending the knuckle in relation to the strut versus the whole thing pushing in. So. Right. Yeah, I think so. you should buy a set of like threaded body coilovers from somebody and like with camber plates. And then it's like literally a job like you could just do. Pull yeah, the whole thing apart, put the whole thing in, and then you don't do spring compressors or anything stupid, you know? Yeah. Now, uh, if you were shopping for coilovers, yeah, what would you buy for that car? I have no idea. And it was like, there's so much good stuff, like trackable, streetable stuff nowadays with digressive pistons that like under high piston speed, they like blow off. So it doesn't ride so bad and stuff like even like mid price stuff, like the street stuff from like uh, fortune and BC uh, is like getting pretty good. It's not the. It's not the stuff. It's not like the. It's all ha- you know assembled in the U.S. and stuff, and better quality oils and stuff than it was 15 years ago. Like there's so many good mid-price options, but then you can go. You can go absolutely nuts. Like you know Penske's, which obviously you wouldn't want to spend five, six thousand bucks or anything. But no, uh, no the sky's not. the limit as far as suspension goes. And well, like it's a lot of it is chassis specific too. Like sometimes like with my car, there's like one dude who makes. A really cheap handmade thing that's awesome um, and is like a, a best of both worlds kind of budget and performance uh, so that car like 
But that's for me. That's like the easy button is try to find like the the company that makes the the cool mid budget low budget thing that performs excellently. Um, and that doesn't exist for everything, but it exists so, for a lot of things. Obviously, uh, coilover prices go from like super super entry level, like you know five six seven eight hundred bucks. Yeah, don't to, buy those. To <laughs> as much as you uh, as much as you want to spend, pretty much. You can you can spend ten fifteen thousand bucks on coilovers if you want to go like, you know, four way adjustables and crap like that. So. I have no interest in that. But yeah. one of the, the, the selling points for me on Olin's when I bought them for the Evo was right. that uh, they were um, like salt. Uh, they were ASTM tested for like salted corrosion. T- yeah, uh, stainless bodies and stuff like that. And I really appreciated that. But like even even something as, as silly as like um, a cover on the, the piston to make sure that you didn't get like salt and road crud. Yeah. Uh, all over that stuff. Like to me, that was a big selling point. Whereas, like, I think a lot of coilover companies kind of don't do that because yeah. probably it's not as appreciated. I've been thinking about actually uh, taking my shocks out and cleaning and like re- literally like waxing them and everything, and then getting shock bags um, to keep the pistons clean. But I have the I have the advantage of inverted pistons, so like little rocks can't sit right there. Yeah. Um, but it uh, everything would stay a little cleaner if uh, if uh, there's a couple companies that make, make shock bags like literally go in between the spring and uh, and can cover everything. But yeah, you can get uh, you know high end street street based and track based stuff like Olin's or KW's. That's that's like uh, middle of the road high end uh, and also really long lasting. You know KW's got the stainless body stuff also. And, yeah, a lot yeah, of options uh, out there. Maybe I'll talk to Mr. Hooten because he's always got strong opinions on uh, on these things. Well, there, it seems like uh, it seems like um, uh, K-tuned up in Canada is getting better and better at at at, uh, at shocks and struts. But uh, I'm sure they've got a you know just a similarly like mid-priced option. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like like a lot of these small suspension companies. They're bringing in parts that are made somewhere, and then they're figuring out how to assemble them themselves. So like this is an evolving process for a lot of these a lot of these companies. So, right. Yep. You can buy generic parts. You can buy high-end parts. You can buy cheap oil, good oil, mid-grade oil. Like, there's so many pieces when it comes to that puzzle. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah well, I'm glad your car's almost ready. It seems like it is. I mean, we, we bled the brakes and everything's like, the pedal's firm and good. Um, it's pretty easy. I, I did try and pay really close attention to what Andy was doing and like. Uh, obviously, he has a lift, which makes life easier in terms of, like, dropping the subframe and catching and all that stuff. Right. Uh, but, like, what he did, I, 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 there wasn't any steps that he did that I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. He's, you know? ju- he's just somebody who's worked on cars so long, and, like, especially that, that chassis or that engine that, like, yeah, he's going to go fast. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but he and I were talking about, like, you know, if if this engine ever tires out, what what I should do. And we were like, well, I mean, the, the Mugen's probably worth seven, eight as it sits. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for 12, you could buy a, like a lower end S 2000. So uh, I saw one for sale that like needed timing guides for like 5,500 bucks the other day. I should have like just a, bought that. Or like a timing chain, like tensioner or whatever they call it. I don't know. Andy would have done that in like a day. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a, there are still deals out there, and that's a chassis that's never really going to go down in value, I think. So. Right. 
But, but Moss you and I, can't, you can't carry a baby around in it. That's true. That's what I thought about, which is why I kind of like the idea of just keeping this thing forever. It, that, that's a good, like, it's a fun daily, you know, like it's not a bad car and you could, you could street drive it up to an event or down to an event somewhere and like, yeah, you're in for a few sessions and like it puts plenty of stuff in it. Like it's not a terrible car to live with. So. Yep. Um, Even if you upgrade, it, like if you upgrade another to another car, like as your fun, as your like your pinnacle toy car someday, like you've been talking about a CTR or whatever. Yeah. Like you have you have the Mugen SI sitting around. It's not. It's a car that's not going down in value if you keep it from being rusty. So. Probably not. And uh, most of the car is is coated underneath. It's actually like the chassis right now is is really clean. Right. I don't know how how long it'll stay that way if I keep driving it like this, but. It's in decent shape, and if I get some of the body and paintwork repair done that I'd like to, uh, probably at, like, Al's Auto Body. Yeah. Um, like, it could be a nice car to have in 25 years, you know? Why don't you, if you're driving it in the, in the winter, why don't you go get some, uh, some rust stop oil? Like, uh, uh, our buddies at Staybill make some called Rust Stopper, I believe, or you can get fluid film. And you can spray that in all the body seams, spray it in all, like, the, the joints. Uh, like, spray it over everything and jack the car up and spend 15 minutes doing that. Like, in in the fender, in the inner fender well, like, you know, all the areas that normally rust, you can spray the backsides of them with that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that, that, like, literally prevents. It's like what, that's what Houghton does up in Canada. We just, there's no companies that do it here because of some rule, you know. Um, but I've been doing it to my trucks uh, for the last couple of years. You're allowed to do it yourself, you know. Yeah, um, and it's it's unbelievable. It just in any rust you have, you spray that stuff on, and it freezes it. It doesn't. It won't rust anymore. It's crazy. That's, that's wild. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would get a couple of cans of that, jack the thing up every corner, spray every corner of the inside of the wheel well, like the fender lip on the outside by the body, everything that normally rusts, and like any cracks and seams you can find, like. If there's plugs inside the door, maybe, like, fog the inside of the door at the bottom, you know, any place that water would sit. Right. Uh, it's it's unreal how much you can stop and prevent. I've been, Sarah's, Sarah's car, when we bought it, had a little tiny bit of fender rust. Um, and that was 10 years ago, and I've been spraying it for, like, eight years. Nice. And it's exactly the same. That's an 03? <laughs> it's an 03. Like, they... The back chassis arch, like in the, behind the back door, like it rusted out. They they're they're gone on every one I see, and like Sarah's has barely changed in a decade because I just keep spraying oil on it. So, nice. Yeah, that's you. De- if you're if you're driving it in the winter, you definitely need to do that. Um, Anybody needs to do that in the Midwest. Probably. I, yeah. I do it to my race car. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad idea because you do street drive it sometimes, you know? Yeah, and, I mean, it rains at the track, so, like, the water can get in there and stay in there for a week, you know? Right. Um, but, yeah, that, the, the barber day that you're talking about, that's kind of my goal with, uh, right. with, ju- with Just Track It. And are you going to be ready? I've been going real hard. I did a lot of work in the last four days because I, uh, I, I worked on Christmas Eve. We, we, we did a show on Christmas Eve while I was working, but then... Uh, I worked on it a little bit on Christmas Eve. I worked on it a little bit on Christmas Day. I worked on it pretty hard the Saturday after because it was like the first Saturday I took off in a long time. And then I worked on it a lot yesterday and Sunday. And uh, and I'm just waiting. Basically, I'm out of things to do until more parts come. Gotcha. Um, I got to fab up the bottom half of the header. Uh, I got to fab up uh, Swirl Pot, uh, which it's all fabbed up. I got to put a different uh, outlet on it. 
because the engine, this engine that I'm putting in the Accord motor sits a little higher. Okay. Um, and so the coolant outlet is like at the same height as the uh, as the OEM uh, radiator outlet, radiator cap, you know. So I'm, I have a swirl pot, which I might use. I'm, I, it might be fine, though. So I got to put the factory radiator in and take a look at it. But, um, and then just a, like I'm waiting on a the thermostat. I'm doing a remote mount thermostat. Um, waiting on a uh, head flange for like the intake manifold. Uh, and then I get to weld up some ITBs. Um, but yeah, I made cam, cam trigger mount, crank trigger mount, alternator mount, uh, driver side mount. Um, yeah, I got to do a little bit of fab work to the valve cover. Uh, I got to, I got to make little studs for the coil on plugs because I'm using the, the same coil on plugs that I had on the D15. Work on this, which are J35 V6 plug, coil on plug uh, units, or Honda D17. Um, yeah, and I moved the moved the ECU, got rid of the supercharger, and obviously got rid of the supercharger water tank, and just like a lot of just like a lot of stuff. So um, block off plates where there used to be holes in the firewall, like some taped over holes with foil tape. Like I made real block off plates, made block off plates for the cowl area. I got to paint those. Like it's just been tons of projects, but like fun ones. Like I've I've been really enjoying it. So. Yeah, I'm. Uh at some point very soon, I would like my garage to be clean enough and uh, tidy enough to put a third car in yeah. because um, I think I've said it on the show before, but I, I, I don't say that I'm good at working on cars, um, but when I don't need a specific vehicle like tomorrow, uh, yeah. there are things that I would like to be able to do on my own. Yeah, um, when you're not in a rush and stressed for it. It's more fun, too. Um, because... I think it's a project to want to learn instead of just like, I'm never going to be as fast as Andy or as talented as Andy. And I have other friends that are really good mechanics. Uh, my buddy Adam gives me shit who, who will probably listen to this. He gives me shit for not working on my own stuff. And it's like, well, uh, I worked on the Evo because I didn't need it. Like I didn't depend on it to get to work, you know? Yeah. Um, and so now that I only have two cars, it's like, well, you know, if I need, if I have some big job that needs to be done immediately, I just, I would rather pay someone because if it's not done right, it's going to cost me both time and the money. Like, like your wife sold Subaru. Subaru. Like, yeah. When, when it needed little things, uh, that like, that turns into like worst day ever, you know? Yeah. Because it needs it. And like, it's got to be back tomorrow, back to service. You know? Well, and, oh, and everything is rusty. Everything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a car that needed to be sprayed underneath when you bought it. <laughs> uh, so, I, I think it would be cool to have a Type R. Um, you and I New talked about R. how much. Um, so, my my personal pressure to buy a Type R uh, in the next near future is mm-hmm. I would like one before they move to the the eleventh gen if they do one. Right. Um, and I want to buy one new because used ones don't seem to depreciate much at all and I would rather buy one with a lengthier warranty that hasn't been beaten on for 20,000 miles. Yeah. So uh, and, and you can probably get better financing. Yeah, the financing is better as well. So like um I I would expect that 2021 is the last model year before the the next Civic, but I don't know. So yeah. I I want to get one before there aren't any available, you know. When did they come out? The twenty ones are the twenty ones are out. Um, I think the first production year was seventeen. Okay. Yeah, they've been around for a while now. 
Um, I like I watched a, a pretty lengthy video on how the um, uh, like the front steering and uh, like control arms and all that stuff works. Right. Um, it's it's pretty wild. There's like four ball joints underneath on each side. Yeah, um, they they have an interesting suspension geometry, but it works pretty well. Uh, I've never driven one of their cars, or uh, I've never driven a, a Type R. I'd like to. I'm trying to convince Moss to buy one so that I can drive it. You might um, want to start with driving one before you buy one. And <laughs> he is is telling me that if I buy one, he'll uh, bring his truck and trailer with, like, he'll go with me to pick it up because he wants to drive it. <laughs> Why doesn't he just drive down and uh, and and drive it with you? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe. Uh yeah, there's there's probably a bunch of them that are going to be on the lot right now because it's winter, you know. Yeah. But, well, uh, like I don't know. The, That's a market I don't know much about. New the car. downside of buying a CTR right now is if I did want to drive it, like mm-hmm. tomorrow, um, I, it's it's fitted with Summers, and the I, I would hate to buy a car and then like immediately need to buy more appropriate tires and wheels so that it could be driven in winter months. Well, summer tires can be driven when it's not actively snowing. (laughs) Yeah. And like you have a, you have a radar station in your pocket. So yeah. Yeah. Or you could just not be a, not be a ninny and drive it on summers in the snow. I could. Yeah, Yeah, I could. Uh, So it, um, it was snowing at Andy's place yesterday and He plays musical chairs with the cars in the shop because even though he has a decent amount of space, there's a bunch of cars there. Yeah, and so, that. like, he has to, uh, like, pull cars in and out of the shop quite a lot just to move the right car to the right place. And most of the cars there are on summers. And all of them required, even though it's flat, all of them required push to get it back into the shop because there was just... They, they had no traction at all in the snow. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 do, I do need to say that I haven't driven a car in the snow. I usually am driving heavy trucks uh, in quite a while. So. My, my, although my, I drove my wife's car in all seasons. but like, you know. Yeah, that's a little different. But I will yeah. say that my car, the, the Civic on ice, like icy roads, right. was nowhere near as confident um, as as the the Grand Cherokee or my truck was like just not not in like braking performance or anything necessarily but like I felt the car moving a lot more yeah weight like, is a like weight of the vehicle is a real thing in, in bad weather um like especially on the last few miles I swear that I felt the tail end of the car I mean which doesn't have any power it's just following along right right uh, I swear I felt it just like bouncing swinging back and forth kind of like a like a pendulum is uh, uh are is that your radar detector in the background are, we, are, are our is. poor listeners going to hear nothing but radar detector uh it is yeah <laughs> it's pretty um, loud if you are a radar detector enthusiast or know about radar detectors today is the first day that my uniden r3 made me want a uniden r7 why because the r7 has sensors in the front and the back Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can tell if there's an officer where they are. Yeah. Um, my my radar was going off like crazy. I'm driving slowly. No big deal. Uh, only to find out that uh, the officer's not in front of me. He's behind me. And right. I was quite disappointed. Um, I had a V1 <laughs> in the Jeep, but it was yeah. stolen. So 
Those I, Canadians, they, they took your Valentine one, huh? I bought this one because Luke McGrew recommended it, and the option was, uh, I think an R3 is like $400, and mm-hmm. an R7 is $700. Good grief, that's so expensive. And I was like, uh, I don't need an R7, do I? Um, well, today I was like, man, I should have bought an R7. I, I've never had one that functioned. I bought a, my old diesel van had one in it when I bought it, but it didn't really work. Um, but so I, I don't know what I'm missing. But like, uh, man, that's a lot of money. So. Well, if you uh, if you're on a trip and you're hustling, it's nice to have one. Yeah, but I I just typically don't hustle very much. So. Yeah, well, that's that's true. <laughs> I'm driving like really big old things. So. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, how close to home are you? Almost there? Uh, five minutes, maybe. Oh, good. Good. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad your car's track ready. I'm actively working on getting mine track ready. So. Yeah, I think um, I'm only gonna buy a Saturday pass uh, because if we leave at a reasonable time on Sunday, it'll be a you know kind of a waste of uh, money. Right. So, right. Um, I don't know if you know the guys that just track it, but if they sell out before we know that we're ready. Uh, is there a way for you to get us in, or uh, yeah, I know, not, I, I know Nabil, cool I know okay. Nabil real well. Or pretty, not real well. Mike Taylor knows him real well. They're like best friends. So, oh yeah, yeah. I, I've met him a few times. Uh, he and I did a, uh, a track day together uh, during Mike Taylor's wedding. Uh, like we, like we had AMP to ourselves. Super fun. So that's wild. Yeah. Um, speaking of, one more thing that I want to talk about right before we end the show. Yeah. Uh, a few months back, we had Greg and me on the show, and he spent the last 15 minutes talking about a, a radio tower that was yeah. on his, his mother or grandmother's property. Right. Um, I saw he posted a YouTube video that it had, it had fallen. Oh, did it fall on its own? Yeah, it fell on its own. Oh, he uh, got lucky. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if it like fell all the way to the ground, but uh, a large portion of it had fallen. So Okay, I'm going to go look for that. The component that failed was the thing that they were that he was talking about, like mm-hmm. trying to cut. You're so, one of the guy wires. Yeah. Yeah. Everything kind of went according to plan, even though they didn't do anything. Okay. Interesting. I'll have I to don't know why I have an obsession about this stupid radio tower, but I watched like ten minutes worth of video where he's just like flying drones around it and whatever. It's, Dude, there's I, a there's like a twenty page, pretty hilarious thread on the forum that shall not be named about it uh going back like five six years uh he's been talking about this dumb tower for a long time so it's uh it's so funny because like i guess to me it's weird that a company would put that up and then just like leave it well the company went out of business yeah yeah i think it was like a plumbing company or something and uh like based out of the out of like the barn next door or something um, what on earth would a plumbing company need a forty or four hundred foot radio tower for? To because before cell phones, everything. You remember, like, do you remember when you were a kid and you, you'd see like service trucks on the side and it said radio dispatched? Um, so that was like the 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 better service. You know, you get better service if, they, if it was a bigger company and they had a radio dispatch. Weird. So yeah, because before cell phones, like you'd have to go back to the building in order to be told what to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a time before. It's like the land before time. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, how almost every episode of Seinfeld would be irrelevant in the modern era because, well, if everyone had a cell phone, it would just like everyone would connect and you wouldn't. Yeah, like all the problems about. would be solved that Seinfeld wrote shows about 35 years ago. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, I'm going to roll into, like, bad service area here for a minute, so I think that's right. a show. Um, all right, man. Put the file in the drive, and I'll post it for tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks to our Patreons and all the buddies, and, uh, yeah, we uh, we appreciate everybody. But let's record another show this week. So. Yep, and the uh, the plan is if we go to Barber, there are a bunch of people that I want to record with there, so yeah. uh, we'll be doing a lot of, of like, one-on-one and group shows with a bunch of really fun people. Um including yeah. Zach from the track who was supposed to come to grid life at NOLA, uh, but got sick. And, uh, I recorded a show with him and Pete last year and he's a lot yeah. of fun. So I think Zach came to NOLA, but didn't drive. Is that right? Yeah. I, I met Zach. I think Did you? <laughs> I'm pretty I'm, sure. Maybe he didn't come to gingerman. That yeah. That's what sense. it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, also I don't, I don't know if it is spoiled, but Andy told me how they did the, uh, the steering wheels out the window in the finish of the double drift. Yeah. And I thought it was awesome. Well, we'll, we'll have to hear him say it. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> anyway, thanks. Thanks to all the people. We'll do another show real soon. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you See later. ya. Bye. Slip angle was created by Austin Cabot and Adam Jubay, co-hosted by Derek Yarbrough and production by Abram Schmucker, who mixes all of our terrible audio. If you like the show, please rate us and review us on iTunes and come and find us in the pit of grid life to say hello. Thank you.